We are glad you are here. We're glad you are worshiping the good God. I'm glad to be here also. We have one announcement, church, that is volunteer appreciation training and delicious breakfast will be Saturday, January 25th at 9 a.m. That's right here, hour-ish, hour and 20 minutes, yummy food. We're going to get together, hang out. We are going to get better. We get better at what we do, praise God. So get some training, get some leadership training, and have a great year. Uh, That's a great way to start off the year. All right, that is the one simple and only announcement, just that easy. See, babe, you didn't have to come up. I got that when I handled it. All right. Well, we are in a series called Seek. Seek, simple. We seek the Lord. We seek, in fact, we seek God above all things, right? We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness given to us through Jesus, and all other things will be added unto us. We're going to do a little different sermon. We're going to walk through the life of David, the words of David, King David, who was a man after God's own heart. So we're going to spend most of our time in the book of Psalms. Let's learn something new from the word of God. Let's drink from the fountain that doesn't run dry. Let's receive the bread, the fresh bread of life. Better than a warm cup of soup on a day like this. All right, Psalm, we're going to start in Psalm chapter 9. 9 and 10. You've got some notes there? Yes, there are extra blanks. We'll have a double jeopardy round at the end. Psalm 9, 9 and 10. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. This is really a picture of salvation. A refuge in times of trouble. He's our refuge. Not relationships on this earth chiefly. Not a great job. Not a big 401k. Not alcohol, not addictions, not Netflix. He is our refuge. He's our peace. He's our refuge. Verse 10. And those who know your name, do you know his name? You know his name. His name's Jesus. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You have not forsaken those who seek you. That is a wonderful scripture, isn't it? But it's a double-edged sword. You don't forsake those who seek you, but there are times in our lives when we just don't feel like seeking. Anybody? A long week? Crazy schedule? Yes. It just, the week got away. We didn't crack our Bible. We didn't open it. We prayed for dinner barely as we were trying to get kids together. And our Lord, help him, bless this food. Now eat and be quiet. Just need two minutes of peace. And if your mouth's full of food, sometimes you'll be quiet. See, that's a double-edged sword there. So yes, that is correct that he does not forsake those that seek him. But sometimes we may feel less than seeking. What is the result? What are the things that make us feel less than seeking? You see, it says right there, you have not forsaken those who seek you. I would bet at all, sometime during all of our lives, you felt a little forsaken, a little separated from God. I didn't say you were. I said you feel separated. You feel distant, right? That feeling of being forsaken, either relationally, 
a job, God's purpose and will, just His presence, uh, what's going on in this, my life and in this world, those feelings come in, and that's number one on your notes, and I want you to understand this. Feeling forsaken is an enemy. Enemy. Every one of us will face. Now, of course, it's not God who does forsaking. It's us who struggle through a bad week, flesh, issues, anger, unforgiveness, all of these things. But we need to know that the feeling of being forsaken, that is the enemy of your soul. And you need to be fully aware of it, and you need to know what gives me this feeling. What makes these thoughts come into my head? There's a bonus list right here. Here are just some of them. This is not exhaustive. You may want a few more. When we have, you got the first blank. I know you got it. Sinned greatly, right? If we've sinned greatly in our life, there's just this feeling that we've disconnected from God, that we've messed up so much. Here's another one. When we face numerous troubles, troubles at the same time. You know what stress is? Stress is when the demands outweigh our abilities. Stress comes on you and overloads you when the demands of life outweigh your abilities. And here it comes. These are common things. Y'all with me? Y'all understand? Here's another one. When we have something overwhelming, when we have some overwhelming job to do, when we have some overwhelming is the blank job to do. It may be a good job. It may be raising kids. It may be working hard on a huge project for work. It may be whatever. There are times that we feel overwhelmed. A couple other ones. When we feel our prayers are unanswered. And all that can lead to the last one. What gives us this feeling of forsaken? When we feel extreme distance from God. Extreme distance. All right, so I gave you all the problems, why you're sick. This is what's wrong with you. Sorry. Have a good day. That would be the worst doctor in the world. (laughs) Coming to you, yeah, God, you're sick five ways. That's like double pneumonia. Have a good day. You would want to punch that guy in the face. (laughs) I didn't sit in the waiting room for four hours for you to tell me I'm sick. I knew that. And give me the technical term. What do we do and how do we deal with this feeling of forsakenness? How do we deal with this? Y'all with me? How do we deal with these struggles and these weights and all of these things? I'm going to give you a word. It may not be the word you think it is, but it's a good word. Look at someone and say doctrine. Look at that. Come on, do it with some confidence now. Doctrine. What? Doctrine. Doctrine. I got a little illustration to help you understand. There's a, a bucket in the back. He, I'm gonna, they're going to bring, not a bucket, a tote. Yeah, bring me that tote. Let me help you to understand the doctrine, the importance of doctrine in our life. Now, when I say the word doctrine, and you're feeling forsaken, you're thinking, 
No, this is not a comedy show, and I'm not. What's that guy who has that stuff? Carrot top, whatever, that stuff in his. All right. When when I say doctrine and you feel forsaken, you may be thinking, well, that's going to cover me about as well as this thing right here. Doctrine in my mess. <laughs> that's no. <sighs> no. That's not going to help much. Don't 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 think about it. this. Is not doctrine. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Or maybe you're thinking, well, it's bigger, but oh, it, it, it kind of smells funny. Oh, it's it's like burlap. Everyone thinks I want a nice burlap jacket. Mmm, it's make me red in five minutes. Oh, oh, it 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 covers me, but. It smells funny, and I'm going to get a rash for sure. <laughs> That's not doctrine. Oh, no, 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 no. If you think this is what doctrine is, let's walk through some doctrine. Let's walk through it right here. In Romans 8, 30. The specific doctrine I'm talking about this right now is called the doctrine of glorification. It means that whatever you're dealing with and these momentary trials, they will be so eradicated and you'll be lifted up so high, it'll be like that and it's over. The Bible calls it light afflictions. Let's look at Romans 8.30. It's all throughout the Bible. I just picked a few scriptures on this doctrine of glorification. Romans 8.30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also, what? Glorified. Oh, we're just getting started. Let's look at another one. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you and the knowledge of God and of Jesus in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All doctrine, all things has been given to you for life and godliness. You're not lacking anything. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of, what does that say? The divine nature. His Holy Spirit is in you now, and you will be, the doctrine of glorification means forsaken, forsaken, not even close partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. One more scripture in John. Let's look at this. So when we think about doctrine, we need to think about, ooh, that's so soft and fuzzy. Babe, did you hit extra tumble on that? That's so nice. Ooh, I'm going to make y'all jealous now, especially you that are cold in here. Oh, oh, it's, it's so soft. Oh, it covers me. I can't believe I'm doing this illustration. (laughs) Let's look at one more. I'll do anything to make the Bible stick in your mind. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called, another scripture, covered, covered, that we should be 
called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it does not know him. Verse 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what, sh- what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall what? Oh, it's so nice. It's so warm. It covers me. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Was there one more? That was it. So you need to think about in your life when you are feeling forsaken that what you're holding in your hand is not this. People without Christ think this is what it is. This is what they think. And they've never experienced God. If you grew up in a highly legalistic or rules culture, do this, do that, this, that, then you think it's this. No, it's not. It's not that. And you'll forsake it quickly because you think it's this. Doctrine that frees you from being forsaken, that covers you, that will cover you in any storm and any difficulty and it's a wonder to put on for his yoke is easy and his burden is light this is doctrine amen amen so that's how we deal with the feeling of being forsaken so when we've dealt with that now we can go forward You can't go forward in confusion or fear or doubt. Once you deal with that, then you can grow. You're stuck until you deal with that. Until you know God is so good, you're just kind of singing. But when you focus and you say, no, God is so good and I know the truth, okay, now we can go forward. So we read Psalms 9. Let's keep going to Psalms 14. 1 and 2. The fool has set in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Anytime you start with the worldview of there is no God, corruption and abominable, horrible things happen in life. In a godless culture, destruction is not far behind. There is none that does good. Here's the contrast, verse 2. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men. To see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Foolishness and a lack of understanding for those who deny God. Understanding wisdom for those who seek Him. Do you see the great compare and contrast there? Let me illustrate this through world history. Genesis 1.31, the Bible says, everything was good, Right? He looked at it and said, it's very good. Everything's perfect. He made it perfect. How long, if we read this scripture in reverse order, those that seek him, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. How long does it take in Genesis until it says the heart of man was only on evil continually? Five chapters. It takes five chapters to go from understanding to the heart of man was on evil continually. Number two on your notes. Confusion fades 
with the pursuit of God. Confusion fades with the pursuit of God. Confusion is multiplied with the forsaking or walking away from him. Is that what it says? Look at world history. Genesis 131, everything's good. The world is corrupt and only evil by chapter 6. I'll give you some other examples in world history. When we take a culture society that removes God from it, this is what we have. Fascism, socialism, humanism, communism, Nazism. Those are all worldviews without God. Now, I said some words that you're like, oh, when you think of fascism, Nazism. Yes, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, and it should. That's the result of a culture without God. But we have him. Do you have him? Therefore, confusion is fading, fading away as you pursue him. Because those that seek him gain understanding. Just like David said a few chapters later in Psalm 34, 4 through 7. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from what? All that confusion. When I saw them, all those fears, all that confusion, it started fading away. They looked to him and were radiant. I tell you, ladies, don't you like to look radiant? Rather look radiant than you look when you first wake up in the morning, right? It's a big difference. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out. Poverty means I lacked. I didn't have something. I lacked. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. All of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around, of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and he delivers them. That's about four different ways to say. The confusion in my life started fading away. Clarity is worth a lot, isn't it? It's worth a lot of money. We thank you, Lord, for clarity. One theologian said about this chapter here, the thought of the whole psalm is that the safety is that the safety of the godless, god, godliness and the peril of the ungodly. Safety and godliness, peril of the ungodly. All right, let's look at one more. So we'll go backward to Psalm 22. This is all words of David, Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six. 26. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever the poor shall eat and be satisfied those who seek him will praise the lord that's a promise when you come to him he fills you when you seek him you're satisfied there's no shame or lack in him another way to put it number three on your notes disappointment cannot stay in a heart that pursues God. We live in this world. There is disappointment everywhere. 
right? Everywhere. Whether it's in your own home or your work or your own body, things you don't like. There's disappointment everywhere. But it cannot stay in a heart that pursues God. It can't live there. Because in him there is satisfaction. That's the opposite of disappointment, right? There is satisfaction in every heart that pursues him. So if you want to rid yourself of past disappointments, you seek the Lord. If you, I don't deal with the past. I don't live in the past. I don't, I, I, it only fuels me and uses it for his glory. There's nothing that disappoints me that says, I have bad days and all those things. But perpetual disappointment, when we seek him, fades, fades away what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Is there any disappointment in the kingdom of heaven? None. Let me tell you how the Lord did this in my life uh, this last week, a week, a week uh, during prayer and fasting. 2018 was a long year. It was a hard ministry year. Um, wasn't a super hard family year. We were doing good and had the kids all through the night and things were going well. But it was just a long, hard year. That's just what you guys you have have bad work years. Yeah, long year. So 2019 was a really good ministry year, and things were going. You know, uh, Taylor, and then we added them, and a couple new families, and and just things were going well. But then it became a very difficult family year because we were having our fifth. Uh, obviously, pregnancy is so hard on me, you know, and everything I have to deal with. I am dehydrated. I need to drink some. I don't know what medicine I took. It was a, just like a purple pill from Russia. I hope it was okay. It's not affecting me, is it? <laughs> and so we got through the pregnancy. Everything would be okay. And then obviously y'all know we had all kind of issues with Grace, who's doing a lot better now with tongue tie and not sleeping and all those things. So 2019 was a, a, a family hard year. So during our week of prayer and fasting, on Thursday... We, uh, we were reading a scripture as a group, and there was group revelation. I haven't seen this often, but someone else said it, and, and it just hit me supernaturally. And it was, it was Romans 12.1. And I'm just going to read this and then continue this story. So it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. So a living sacrifice is one that's holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So it hit us all that, Lord, I'm a living sacrifice. So that was Thursday night. So Friday morning, I'm sitting there. It's still our time of just focus and prayer and fasting. I'm sitting on my couch uh, in our room, and I'm just praying, and I'm thinking about this scripture, and I'm reading it, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm praying, I'm talking to the Lord, and a picture comes into my mind. And the picture that comes into my mind is, you know, I know what all the Old Testament pictures look like, whether I've seen drawings or I've just read a lot. Um, you know, you have the temple, and I understand what the temple looks like. And on the side is where all they, they keep the sacrifices, right? You've got a big pen. It's full of sheep. Now, they have different pens, and they some, you know, have animal, not just sheep sacrifices, but they have bulls and stuff and all that. But this pen was full of sheep. And in my mind, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the temple, and I'm looking at the, the sheep pen, and it's really quiet, much more quiet than I thought it would be. And then I look closer at the sheep pen, and the sheep are very calm. When I think of sheep, like, you know, my, I had a great aunt who had sheep. Gosh, they're loud and noisy. And they're kicking, and they'll run right into a metal post. They're just sheep, right? 
but not in this picture. It was full, the sheep pen. And they were all alive and they were moving, but they were very calm. And there was a great peace over the whole thing. And in my mind, I knew, okay, they got a shepherd who brought them in. They got the priest who will go get them when they want to. But for the sheep, it doesn't really matter because they're just living sacrifices. And then this scripture, which was alive, became very alive. Stephen, the Lord says, that's the way you're supposed to be. Calm and peaceful. Because you're just a living sacrifice. When I bring you into the temple, that's up to me. If I lead you out, that's up to me. You just present your body a living sacrifice. That is holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Can I tell you that confusion and disappointment went far from me? Amen? Because I was seeking him. And he encountered me. And when he does, confusion, disappointment, any enemies of your soul that would come after feeling forsaken, it's over. In fact, they can't even speak anymore. They're silenced. They're muted. It's not like there's a continuing attack. It's over. He spoke. Boom. Peace. Because when he said, peace, be still, it must happen. So I just want to tell you that that what, that's what God does to, for believers. I'm not special. That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to encounter you. And that confusion, that disappointment, whatever you're dealing with. Now, this was the funny thing. So I saw that picture. And it came, you know, I wasn't in a trance or anything. I just saw that picture. I said, thank you, Lord. Freedom. You're wonderful, God. So then a song popped into my head after, you know, I get up and I'm doing stuff, whatever. You know what song I thought of? No, it wasn't Amazing Grace. I can see clearly now. I can't believe I'm singing. This is the, oh, my goodness. The rain is gone. Help me out, connector. I can see all the obstacles in my way. I thought that's the way I feel. Oh, I can see clearly. And all these obstacles, they're not in my way anymore. Now, you, at least you think that's, I mean, it's a secular song, but it made me think of a scripture. Look at this. Our last one here. Psalm, 120, Psalm 27, 5 and 6. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Look at the next verse. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will, what does that say? I will sing. Yes, I will sing the praises of the Lord. All the obstacles in my way. Amen. Let's stand up.
Come on, let's go to Jesus. Let's go to the one who rules and reigns in the affairs of men. And if you've given your life to him, you're his sheep. He's your shepherd. And whatever geographical location he has you in, whatever marriage you're in and home you're in and job you're in, he wants you to operate in a supernatural peace, a living sacrifice. And everyone would look around and they would say, don't you know the problems and the issues? Do you know how they hurt you and did this and that wrong? And you say, oh, no, you don't understand. I'm a living sacrifice. He has lifted me up above all those enemies, all that sin which so easily entangles me. I'm above it by his grace, by his blood. Amen. Come on, let's come to him now. Come on, come to that temple. See those sheep not bleeding or kicking or angry or fighting, but a supernatural peace is there. A supernatural peace is there. And clarity is there. And disappointment fades away. And the enemies that used to attack, they've been silenced. Come on, just go to Jesus right now. Come on, go to that great high priest right now. Let's worship him just for a few minutes. Let him speak. You're so good. Oh, speak to your people, God. Lift our heads up above our enemies. Come on, worship him. He'll lift your head up above your enemies. Sing to him. He'll lift your head up above that situation. God, you're so
as I pray and close. Oh, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you lift our head up and above. We thank you that you speak to us and encounter us, Lord. I thank you that this year, encounter is coming to everyone in this building. Encounter, whether from your word, our vision, our dreams, words of wisdom, words of knowledge and prophecy. Lord, speak through your creation, but encounter your people. Let it be a year of encounter and disappointment and confusion will fade. It will be silence, Lord. All the voices of the enemy will be silenced at the encounter of God. I thank you, Lord, that we are encountering you in wonderful ways this year. And we'll better proclaim with absolute confidence, God, you are so good. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on, say yes, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. And everyone gave him praise and glory in his house. Come on, praise him in his house. You're so God. We love you, God. Thank you, God. You're so, so good. Oh, so good. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Have a great day.